Hey y'all, Shelly here with another tip for hospice nurses. When you're inserting an indwelling catheter in your patient, one that's going to be in for an extended amount of time, it's important not to inflate the balloon more than 10 cc's. Even less than 10 cc's is better if you can, but more than 10 cc's can cause the person to have bladder spasms, which can be painful or can cause urine to leak around the catheter and just cause all kinds of issues. So 10 cc's or less. Also, make sure you use sterile water and not sterile saline because saline can crystallize, which would prevent you from being able to deflate the balloon. And it seems like more and more I'm seeing where agencies are not ordering the insertion kits and we're having to piece together all of our supplies for our catheter. So just make sure you you have some sterile water available to inflate the balloon with. And also, if you have any tips for about catheter, please share them here. One of my nurses was asking about um, any for any tips on how to insert a catheter in a male patient that has um, enlarged prostate. She didn't have a day available. I didn't really have any great advice to give her. So if you guys have any tips, please share them here because I would love to... Um, Love to learn some more from y'all. Also, be on the lookout for our Hospice Nurse Your Opinion Matters survey. It's going to be out next week. I'll be making a lot of posts about it, but please be on the lookout and take the survey. Your opinion really does matter. The more that we talk together, the more the louder our voice is, the more that we can share our opinions. So I hope you have a great day. I hope your the roads are smooth and the lights are all green. And I will see you next time. This is James Dibbon, and welcome to the Hospice Nursing Podcast. Well, hello everyone and welcome to your show. That's right, this is the only show that provides practical help for hospice nursing success. I am James Dibbon with Confessions of a Hospice Nurse.net, and thank you so much for joining us on today's show. I am really excited. You know, I have not done a interview on this show for quite a while, and as you can tell from my intro and kind of the beginning, this show today is going to be a little bit different than uh, other shows, but I'm really excited for everyone to meet somebody that I have recently uh, found online and I'm really enjoying her stuff. And, and as you could tell from that little clip I played, her name is Shelly. So I want to w- welcome Shelly Henry with Amity Staffing. Hey, well, I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's fun to have you on the show. So I found you, it's probably been a little while now, actually. Uh, you just kind of showed up in my, uh, uh, my, well, I don't, I don't remember if it was Instagram first or if I found you first on, uh, on TikTok. But you started showing up, and, and I really liked your tips and tricks and hints for hospice nurses. And just, you know, I started this show a little over a year ago because I just didn't feel like there was much out there really geared directly towards hospice nurses. I felt like, you know, trying to educate the community on hospice was out there, but nurses kind of pouring into each other, I didn't feel like really existed. And then when you showed up, I'm like, oh, what a breath of fresh air Shelly is. And uh, so I'm just so excited to have you on the show. 
Well, thank you. I'm so excited and so honored to be here. I just, I enjoy your podcast too. I kind of felt the same way. There isn't a lot out there resources for hospice nurses. And so I'm excited to have found your stuff too. Well, so to kind of uh, get things going here, because I feel like I have a feeling you have a lot you're going to share with the audience. And and I have to admit, being able to do interviews makes my job a lot easier, <laughs> even <laughs> though I'm an expert on my own opinion. And I feel like I can talk for hours sometimes about hospice. It's just so nice to have somebody else who shares such a deep passion for not just for the work, but for the people who do the work. Yeah. Um so tell us a little bit about your own personal adventure, how you found your way into hospice and how it's led you to where you are now. Okay. Well, after I had been a nurse probably about 10 years and had worked almost my entire career in ICU and ER was primarily my background. And I was looking for a way to make extra money, but I didn't want to pick up any more in the ICU. I was just burnt out on that. And a friend of mine said, well, there's a hospice company that's hiring for an on-call admit nurse. So I thought, oh, well, that can't be too bad. I'll try that. I'll just do that PRN. So I knew nothing about hospice. Even though I'd been a nurse for 10 years, I really just thought hospice was a place where people went to die. Like I, I thought it was a place. I, I really knew nothing about it. So I went to the agency and I got the job and I started the job and I, I realized two things right after I started that job. The first thing was that you can't learn hospice on a PRN basis. Mm. And the second thing was that this is where I belonged. This is what I should always have been doing. So I quit my job in the hospital and went full time with the hospice. And that's really how I got started in it. So how long have you been doing hospice now? A little bit over 20 years. I guess about oh 21. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. wonder you have so much to share. Um, cause I've been amazed to see like you're putting out content every single day. Like a day doesn't go by that you don't produce some kind of two and a half to three minute tip. And I've kind of gotten addicted to your little, the little, the way you say it at the beginning, another tip for hospice nurses and you're throwing your finger up in the air and just that consistency. And I'm like, yes, there it is. Okay. If she ever stops doing that. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that because the first video when I did, I, I'm not a video person and I was so nervous. I was spending hours trying to do it. And my daughter was trying to help me. She's like, mom, just do it. Don't be dorky. And I said, like, don't say something like tip for hospice nurses. And I did that. <laughs> and I was just went on and did the video right after. And I'm like, okay, so I get the dorky out at the beginning of the video and then it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I'm a big fan of, just putting our content out there. I I can appreciate like like you and I are doing this via FaceTime and you can see behind me there's a blanket hanging on the wall and right behind me is the door to like our laundry room. And I, it wouldn't bother me at all if we were streaming this live online with you and your Def Leppard t-shirt because <laughs> and I'm wearing my Patrick Mahomes jersey. Like there's plenty of overly created fancy material out there and what i tell people is if you run a hospice agency and you want dry boring well-produced videos that your staff just wants to click 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 trying to get through there's plenty of that out there but if you want to hear from those of us who are in the trenches and we're just normal folk living our lives and trying to help other nurses then you've come to the right place 
And so, yeah, so I like all that natural stuff and we just find our own way um, of, of bringing help to the people who are taking care of the dying. And, and I just, I've just been inspired by you. I've learned a lot. Some of your tips have been just fantastic. I've only been doing hospice for eight years and I feel like I'm learning something from every one of your little tips and things that I'm starting to think about, uh, especially now that I'm back in the field that I'm like, ah, that I saw a video <laughs> from Shelly on that. I'm checking it out. <laughs> oh, thank you. That makes me so happy. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about Amity Staffing. Uh, what, what's that all about? So I will tell you what Amity Staffing is. So I, as I said, I've been a hospice nurse over 20 years, and probably the first half of it was field, and the second half, I moved out of the field and into management, and then executive management, and was just uh, really becoming more and more concerned about the way the hospice was changing, the number of nurses that were leaving the field. It seemed like we could never have, I worked for a few large companies, and it seemed like we never had any stable staffing. We never had... We couldn't keep staff, and it was just this revolving door. And our, the experienced nurses were leaving and not coming back, and I thought, we got to do something about that. And that's where I came up with the idea for Amity Staffing. So I quit my job. Um, we sold everything that we could sell, and we started Amity Staffing. So it was a place for hospice nurses that have left the field because they were burnt out to come back and do the work that they love and still have a life. So what we are is a staffing agency for specifically for hospice companies. So we serve the hospice companies too, because we provide them with skilled nurses that have a lot of experience um, on an as needed basis. So we're not like the contract or the travel nurses. They don't have to use us for 40 hours. And our nurses, frankly, don't want to work 40 hours. Most of our nurses like to work. They get to choose, really. help. They give us each month whatever days they're going to work, and they choose how they want to work. Maybe three days a week, maybe two days a week, whatever it is that they want. So they have that flexibility. So we we have been so blessed with some, we have amazing nurses on our team. Mm. And all of them are nurses that had a lot of experience that left the field and came back. So we don't take nurses from agencies. We only bring these nurses back into the field. And we're just, we're growing from state to state and that's basically, you know, that's pretty much our whole purpose. Well, and that's so amazing because I think, you know, some, I, you know, I'm here in the Kansas City area, so we have a lot of hospice agencies. And I think there's not a lot of resources for them to pull in some extra help when they're short because we can't pull from just a regular staffing agency because we're going to get people who don't know anything about hospice. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that was always our struggle when I was working for agencies. So I said, this is kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, so you and I visited some, and especially when it comes to this, your opinion matters survey, and and our listeners are going to get a chance to learn more about that here as we go. Um, But Tell me how those two things kind of tie in to your social media. What what brought you to decide to start doing your social media thing? Well, the social media thing started, okay, so when I started the company, we've been in business for seven years now. But the first couple of years, I was in the field all the time. I, I was <laughs> the only nurses. You know how that is. And um, nurses at the agencies would start would start telling me hey i love your notes i always look for your notes and i read them they're like i didn't know scopolamine helped with nausea i didn't know you could nebulize morphine i didn't know how to document on alzheimer's patient stuff like that so 
you know, I'd be talking about, I'm talking about that to my husband and he said, you know, you should start doing videos. And at this point I had never even FaceTimed. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm of the older generation. I know this is, you know, I'm much closer to 60 than I am to 50. <laughs> but I, I, so I was super nervous about it. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. He's like, you should, you need to share this. And I'm like, okay. And that's really how it started. I just, we had gone to, um, Washington, D.C. to present these the results of the first Your Opinion Matters survey at the National Conference. And that day I started and I just started doing it and just haven't stopped yet. And, you know, I've been super nervous, but people have been so nice, really just so nice. I was really afraid of how it would be received, but everyone's been nice. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and um so to, so let's talk more about the survey and what your goal is with that and, and what you kind of are hoping to accomplish. And, and just tell me, I guess, tell me more about your speaking and, and your involvement with NHPCO or just you're just your hospice world and what you're doing right now. Talk away. Okay. okay. Well, I started the, the survey. We did it last year was the first year. And it really, like I said, when I went back into the field, I had been out of the field for a long time, even though I'd still been in hospice and I still felt like I was in touch with what was going on in the field. When I went back and truly back into the field, I was shocked at how much it had changed. And I was shocked at how much more difficult and time consuming it was. You know, when I left the field the first time, we were still doing paper. Um, and the patients were not as complex as they are now mm. and there wasn't as much competition and it was just you know it was just very different when I left and I thought man I am like struggling with this and I wonder if everyone else is struggling or is it just me and I kept trying to figure out how to find out and I said let's just do a survey I, I just so I really did it because I wanted to know and then after we started getting responses because I really didn't think we'd get any responses but when we started getting responses I'm like we got to share this information because we're all spending two or three hours a night documenting. We're all spending three or four hours documenting an admit. You know, we're all spending more time doing this instead of that. And so I just uh, sent a proposal to NHPCO, fully expecting that they would either not respond or reject me because I'm not their typical speaker. Uh, but they took it. They accepted it. And um, I went and I started and I presented the data first there along with a bunch of suggestions to the leaders for things that we could do right now to change it, because that's what's so important. Um, and it was really well received. And then so I've been doing it at other state conventions and I've done several podcasts on it. And we ran, we're running the survey again right now. And so we have way uh, quite a few responses. I'm really excited. So we are, I'm hoping next year we'll even be able to do more presentations on it. So I'm I'm curious. Let's so like we've only been talking for 15 minutes because you and I are very efficient. So <laughs> why don't you review some of the main questions that you put in the survey and why you're asking them? Like think of I'm this is totally off the cuff, right? You and I didn't plan this at all. But if you can think through maybe two or three of them and let's review those and talk about why um, why you put those in there and what you're hoping to accomplish with them. And this is so random. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I, I ask a lot of several questions center around documentation because I feel like this is one of the things that we all universally struggle with. In the old days when we were on paper, our documentation was not nearly as time consuming as the EMRs are. Um, so I spend a lot of time, like how much time do you spend documenting at home? How much time does it take you to document an admin? And not just the admin, but think about the documentation that you have to do to notify the team. Because I've worked with some clients where we can just say patient was admitted. Other clients that require you basically put everything you put in your admin in your document, in your notification email. That takes another 20 minutes just to do that. Um, So ask questions about that. And questions about how well are you compensated for all of this extra documenting that you're doing. Um, when I presented this to NH, well, the whole presentation, I have the one presentation I made that I give to everybody. I, I illustrate for for um, the audience how much this is actually costing. Um, even if it takes what we figured out just doing redundant documentation, that's another question I ask mm-hmm. about this drives me crazy when I'm having to answer the same thing three or four different times in my notes. Um, everybody was, everybody's got redundant documentation. Not one person that responded said they don't. And so we look at what does that mean? So this is an hour, an hour, a night of we're already established that we're home documenting and we're at home spending at least an hour a night on stuff that's redundant. So we got to change these things and these are things that we can change be easily. So I encourage that they work with their nurses. They form task task forces with their nurses in the field, not with nurses that are out of the field, but ones that are in the field that are using the EMR. And ask them what can we what needs to be changed. What can we change? Because I promise you that nurse is going to be able to tell you in like a second. You ask them about the redundant documentation and things that you can fix so much easier that can make your nurse's life so much better. Yeah, you know, so I was trying to, when I did the survey, I was trying to think through redundancy. And I think most people who would be listening to this show right now, the first thing that pops up in their mind is, is the IDT slash IDG notes. I would bet most people who say it feels redundant could be that and as a side note my last company excuse me allergies are still here my last side note or my last my last job out we were using matrix care as our emr and i don't know if you've used matrix care or not but one thing that they did to get rid of rid of the redundancy was the way that they did idg notes was when you were finished typing your narrative note you would just copy that and paste it into uh, a, an IDG note. It wasn't called that. It was called a prep note. I almost forgot what it's called. It's called a prep note. So you just highlight that note, copy it, paste it into a prep note, and everybody did that for every visit. And then when IDG came around, the clinical director would take everybody's prep notes and just copy them into the IDG uh, template and so you had all your notes for the last two weeks right there in your IDG and so there it completely got rid of having to type up IDG notes 
It wasn't a thing. It went away completely. And that was such a great thing for the staff. They were so happy. And I hope that more EMRs adopt that concept just because. So I am huge into bedside charting on this show. I talk about it all the time. I talk about how if you do it right, you can find a way to not chart at home. But even myself, who is super hardcore, still find myself, if I even said that right, at home in the evenings or on Sunday trying to type up all of my IDG notes because I just can't squeeze it all in during the day, especially research and stuff. And so I hope that with these surveys, these EMR companies and the NHPCO and everybody start taking that into account because we have got to get our nurses away from charting and working every single evening. We do. We do. And this is something that I'm always preaching out is what other occupation is it expected? I mean, do you think your bank teller, do you expect them to go home and work three hours at night? No. I mean, any other job, that's not expected, but we're expected to do that. And we have to fix that. My concern is that we're not going to have hospice nurses if we don't, if we don't fix this somehow. And so much of these redundancies we put in there. And, and as I was a vice president of corporate compliance, I was one of those people that put those redundancies in there myself. And I'm trying to fix it now because I am so sorry. <laughs> you compliance that. people. I, I, know, I had no idea what it was doing to the nurses in the field. I really didn't. And I think that we can work together and we can get this stuff done because it just seems like a surveyor says something and somebody gets a ding on it and they completely freak out and everything changes and all of a sudden it falls on the nurses. We got to do more work. We got to do more work. We got to do more. We got to document all of this. Look at how in the old days, I don't even know if you re- if you remember this, but in the old days when we would document on an education, I could just say oxygen safety education provided. That's all I had to say. Mm. You know what we have to document now. I'm not going to waste time. that I do illustrate this during my um presentation too. I show how we went from one line to a full paragraph. Nothing in the patient care changed. Not one single thing. Why do I have to document patient verbalized understanding? Do you think I'm going to leave if the patient doesn't understand? You know, do you really trust me that little? You you know, it just is very frustrating to me. And I think that we need to start advocating for our nurses. I think that the agencies, the, the, our bosses, the owners, they need to start telling advocating more for their nurses and saying, no, we're not going to make our nurses document more. We aren't going to make them document these same scales over and over on a patient who is bed bound that is never getting out of it. It's a waste of, it's just a waste of time. And we're going to stop doing that. I, I think it is so beneficial for somebody like yourself who has worked their way all the way to the top and has now gone back into the field and, and is able to see the the conflict that is happening between the two because you know I, I spent the first three years of my hospice career was all out in the field but I was super I really wanted to work my way to the top and I managed to make it to like an administrator for a little while um, and I'm just now getting back into the field full time and I'm starting to experience some of the stuff that my nurses were telling me and and I and I and I had empathy for him, right? And and I cared, but I didn't feel it to the full extent like I do now, with 
like I have a care plan meeting coming up this Wednesday and it's going to be a real challenge. The family, the, the DPOA has asked me to do this care plan meeting uh, because some other family members just aren't on the same page. And he sent me this long email. It was the length of a blog post. It had to have been five to seven hundred words of all the stuff I need to expect from the family. And I'm like, you know, I sat in my office more than one time in the last couple of years, knowing my nurse had to go to some kind of meeting like this. And not feeling the full weight of that. And I was telling my wife yesterday, what other career is there out there that wants you to have a family meeting with all of these people you don't even know to tell them why their sister and mom and whoever is dying. And I have to explain that all to them and I have to answer all their questions. I mean, the level of stress that comes with that and then. Some agencies will expect me to go home that night, like you said, and chart for three hours. Yes, and you have to give super detailed information on everything that y'all discussed and everything that you did. And that just so frustrating. It's like we're the only profession where the outcomes of what we do are not sufficient to say that we did what we were supposed to do. We have to document it in great detail and in triplicate. You know, and it just... It's very frustrating. We've got to fix it. And this is like my life's journey, my life's goal to fix this, to make it easier for nurses to die. <laughs> and I'm going to get started on care plans because <laughs> I feel like care plans have become just an exercise in documentation now. Yeah. They've so complex and so gotten so far away from what they're supposed to be. Um, just of our time. <laughs> well, and and I'm I'm really excited that you and I have connected like this and I'm looking forward to just seeing where all this leads with you and with the survey and um you know and and I'm I think what I'm what what I find interesting is I think I would have been like you with the NHPCO I would have thought are they really going to take me serious are they even going to listen to me? You know, because they're this huge organization and I'm over here, you know, in my little corner of the world. And and I think it's my hats off to the NHPCO for listening and taking it in and taking it serious and giving you a voice and giving you, you know, and listening to you. What has that been like? Yes. Well, it was it was they were really nice. And then I got really nervous when we got there because I thought nobody's going to come to hear me talk. Nobody's going to come to hear this little hospice nurse talk. You know, I would tell you, though, that the room was full, mm. which indicates that our leaders out there want this information. They really need this. They want to know what they can do to attract nurses and retain nurses. And they were all very receptive to to everything I talked about, because I talked a lot about how we have got to end this after hours documentation. And I gave a lot of suggestions on things that they can do and working with flexible schedules. You know, one of the things we ask is um, what's most important to you when you're looking for a job. And we let the nurses pick from eight, I think it's eight. Um, and pay was one of them. Sign on bonus was one of them. Maintaining your nurse to patient ratios was on there. And then we had to put it in order of importance. So from last year, the survey, the number one most important thing was maintaining your nurse to patient ratio. 
dead last was sign-on bonus. So I, I recommend to you, then why don't you look at how much money you're spending on a sign-on bonus and instead allocate that to a whole nother nurse so you can decrease your nurse's ratio, your nurse to patient ratio. Take that money and use it on the nurses that you already have. Bring in an on-call nurse. You need on-call nurses. You'd be surprised a lot of places do not have that. Um, and and just a lot of stuff that I shared with them about how important it is that you have a strong office staff. You know this. You need office people whose only job is to make sure that the clinicians in the field are supported. You know, that's that's just critically important. If you've ever worked at a place that doesn't have that, you'll see how important that is. And just really that the leaders in the each company know what is going on in all of their agencies and know what's going on with their nurses, because I think that's just so important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so tell me, you mentioned that, that um, patients are a lot more complex now than they were, um, you know, when, than they were maybe 10 years ago or just in the past when you were first in hospice. Can you give at least me an idea of how they're more complex now than they were before? Well, they're going home a lot sicker than they used to. I think, you know, as generally, um, we are living longer. We are surviving serious illness a lot longer than we used to. Um, so patients will have, you know, a lot of drains and things like that. I just did a video on that and how to do that. Um, and just in general, I think they're just a lot sicker with things beyond what is just their hospice diagnosis. Cause mm -hmm. used to be, it was primarily, that was going to be the primary issue and the primary thing that we worked with. But now you have to, you have to maintain the hospice di diagnosis and usually five or six other major comorbid conditions. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, how has, okay. So I'm really throwing some stuff at you. Okay. Um, so when I came into hospice seven years ago, they had already Medicare had come along and said, hey, you don't have to be a DNR to come on to hospice, which which I'm a fan of. And that that's kind of hard for new hospice nurses to wrap their mind around because they should they think to themselves, well, everybody should. Why are you coming into hospice if you're not a DNR? Right. Um, but do you feel like that has changed the complexity of this work, having more patients coming in who are full codes and just aren't real sure about the whole death and dying thing and haven't fully maybe accepted their their terminal prognosis. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I have had some members at the hospice nursing community request some kind of a support group to help fight burnout. And so I have started two burnout support groups at the hospicenursingcommunity.com uh, just to help everybody. And so these support groups meet twice a month on the second Thursday and the second Sunday of the month. And so we're going to be doing that. And I wanted to make sure you understood or knew that these will be faith-friendly support groups. And it doesn't mean they'll be preaching or anything strange like that, but I might use devotionals. I might pull something out of the Bible, maybe out of Psalms or something, but just there might be sections of the, uh, of the group that deal with matters of faith. And, and I hope that is of interest to you. Uh, it can be found in the community events, uh, section of the community. So if you would consider joining, I think it would help you. It's going to help me. I need it, I think, as much as anybody does. So 
join a burnout support group at thehospicenursingcommunity.com. So yeah, so back in the in the, back in the day, you know, most of the patients were were a DNR. They weren't always, but most of them were. And my feeling on that is if someone's coming into hospice but not wanting to do a DNR, I completely understand that because it's usually it's overwhelming. But if by in a week or so they haven't decided to be a DNR, it does make it more difficult because then you have to wonder if they're really on board with the hospice philosophy. Do we need to do more education? Are they not understanding? Is there something else that we can do for this patient? Um, and and it, it makes it very stressful on the staff, too, because we don't really know how to respond. What do we do with the patient, with the on, what they call, with the on-call and that kind of thing? So it definitely makes it a lot more complex to mm-hmm. take care of. Mm-hmm. And, and I've found that, too, and... And like I said, I'm okay with the whole idea. I think that they need the whole team to gather around them and help them maybe come to uh, come to grips with everything and and to come to some exception or you know of of their terminal disease. And but I think it creates confusion all at the same time for them, you know, because now they're focused on what they're getting, you know, the the services over the philosophy. Right. And then at what point, if they call you when they're on call, do you tell them to call 911 versus sending the nurse out? Because then you got to try and figure that out while you're on the phone with them. And it, it, it is. It can get really confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, talk to us a little bit more about the different ways our listeners can find you. Um, you know, I'm so I've decided I it seems like about half the time I can't seem to name my show until <laughs> after it's over. And then I'm like, oh, I got to come up with a name for this thing. But I think I'm going to call this episode for hospice nurses because that's kind of the tag you're using everywhere. And so that seems to be like the main way to find you. Is that correct? Like wherever you're doing your social media, is that your tag? Is that kind of like your handle? Yes. The FOR hospice nurses is TikTok and Instagram. And then I also have an Amity staffing Instagram, but I put pretty much the same thing on there. I'm on um, LinkedIn under my name, Shelly Henry, and then Facebook under Amity Staffing. Um, and so also the, our we- have a website for the AmityStaffing.com. You can go there. We have some products on there. So I also I developed a, a bag specifically for hospice nurses because I, I think I bought like every bag out there. I have two huge totes full of nursing bags and I could never find one that would meet all of my needs. So I ended up designing my own. So we have that bag on there and I have some documentation books and things like that on there. Um, so you can also find information there as well. And pretty soon we'll be on YouTube. I haven't quite done it, but I'm going to start doing the YouTube shorts as well. Getting brave. Nurses too. Well, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to be sure to put all of that in the show notes so they can find you. And then that way, if anybody forgets, they can just look back at this episode number 23 and see that the show is actually called Four Hospice Nurses. And that will help them hunt you down as well in yeah. all your different areas. Talk more about the bag. I, I forget about the bag. I've seen you kind of, I have to admit, it's not really manly enough for me. Like it seems, and I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> tell me about it because I think it's a neat bag. Uh, and it just seems more like the bags that most of us use are like home health and hospice. And talk about that just for a minute here. Promote your stuff. 
Okay, so the bag, um, I had, I was carrying the shoulder bag, like for always, and it would just, I was starting to have really bad back pain and really bad sciatic nerve pain, but there's no way I'm setting the bag down. Even on a barrier, I'm not, I've had way too many bags infested and that kind of thing, so I don't set my bag down. So I kept trying to find like a hip bag or something, and I would find some, there's several that are designed for nurses, but none that would hold everything I needed. So I want to put my tablet in it. I want everything in it that I need for a visit. So I ended up designing this bag. It, it You wear it. It's very comfortable. Never have any more back pain. I have my hand sanitizer accessible. My gloves are accessible. I put a bright light on it that lights your pathway at night because I got tired of tripping over things, trying to get into places in the dark. Um, and all of the stuff that you need to do a visit, you put right inside the bag. And it stays clean. It's You, know, it's, you never have to set it down. That's my favorite thing about it. Well, I'm definitely going to link that up as well as the books that you created. You you created some books that are uh, th- that are documentation focused, right? Like you created two or three yes. different ones. Yes, I have two of them, and they are very um, detailed. So they're not going to tell you because it used to make me crazy. All I could ever find is stuff that would tell me to paint the picture, but I want to know how. Like, what words do I use? What do I say? So they are, the first little book um, talks about the LCDs and gives information on those and suggestions and documentation examples on those. And then the bigger one, the supplemental guide, is really nothing but wording on how to document on Alzheimer's, how to document on COPD, system assessments, just phrases that you can just dictate right out of the book into your notes, which is what I do most of the time. one, One tip that you had quite a while back was documenting for Alzheimer's disease. And I'm forgetting exactly some of the tips you had in there, but you kind of have a different angle on charting to the decline. Instead of saying, do you remember that one? Or do you remember kind of your, tell me about that, because I really like that one. Um, So one of the things that we want to do is not document patient is oriented times one. Because in the picture in my mind, when I say that, is a patient that's oriented. Because it's the first word that you say is what makes the image in the reader's mind. So I suggest that people document patient is disoriented times three. Saying the same thing, if I'm disoriented times three, I'm oriented times one. But think about the difference of the image in your mind. Disoriented times three. So I'm automatically thinking of someone that's disoriented. And so I go through all of that, how to flip the beginning. That first word needs to be negative. I like that. That is not something I've, your EMR doesn't, doesn't work that way. It works the other direction. You know, it just asks you for their orientation. It doesn't, it needs to ask for your, for their disorientation. Yep. <laughs> what is their disorientation? So that was about, that was probably one of the first ones that I got from you that I was like, okay, I'm hitting the subscribe button because I feel like I'm charting backwards when I should be charting backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And tons of tips on how to chart faster. I've learned little tips in these EMRs of things that I do, little shortcuts that you can do if you're documenting the same things over and over. Here's what you can do to make it faster. I do a lot of videos on that kind of stuff because I'm all about trying to do it faster and quicker, but still be good on it, effective, you know. Well, and I think that'll be useful for my listeners because as I push real hard for bedside charting, that's hard to do if you um, if you feel like you got to click every single box and you got to type something in every single space that allows you to type in. 
I'm constantly challenging my listeners and the people in my community to uh, to that a comprehensive assessment you should be able to document in 20 minutes and a more focused assessment you should be able to complete the documentation in maybe 10 minutes and that's overwhelming to a lot of folks because that's moving pretty quick right through everything Um, but being able to have more tips and tricks from you on how to cut out some of the extra and then obviously this survey if we can get some of these companies to get rid of some of the redundancy uh, I think that's going to make really a huge difference for all of our nurses because it is the after hours work that the nurses are doing that is pushing them out of hospice I really don't think it's the eight to five I agree with you a hundred percent I don't think it's the eight to five at all it's it's the after hours okay well I've about run out of questions <laughs> do you do you have anything extra that you want to share or anything you feel like maybe I missed or that you find necessary or important and and if the answer is no that's okay too like I said we're making this up as we go No I just want to encourage any of the nurses listening to please go take the survey because the more that we have the more the louder our voice is, the more people are going to listen. If I can say I'm trying to get to a goal of 1500 nurses, if I can say 1500 nurses responded and here's what they said then more people are going to listen they're good they're going to eventually they're going to have to stand up and listen to us so please go take the survey awesome well that's a good call to action it's going to be all over in the show notes and you the listener whatever podcast app you are using right now to listen to the show they all have show notes built into them and the links should work so you should be able to just pick up your phone or whatever device you're using right now and you should be able to scroll 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 if i can get that out right scroll through the show notes and click on the survey i'm going to make sure that it's very obvious for you you'll be able to just take it right there on the spot it's through survey monkey it's like 25 questions I don't think it took me more than seven minutes to complete that survey. I really don't. I th- it seems like maybe there's some freehand at the end you can type in, but I don't, I don't even remember. I remember having to order what was most important, and I remember putting the nurse ratio at the top. I remember putting that at the top when I was doing that question. Yes, and there is at the end, I do ask a couple of questions like, if you could, in a perfect world, what would you like to see? And um, a couple of questions where you can freehand. And I think these are important to put in there what you really feel. Even if you think, oh, it's impossible. That could never happen. You never know. Give us your suggestions. What can we what what would make your world better? Hey, we'll take it out there. And I'm, I'm going to present this as to as many places as I can next year. So you, you never know what will come out of it. That's right. Well, and and the more of us that there is, the more weight and influence will go with that survey because now you're talking big numbers from all over America, nurses yes. that are actually doing the work. Yes, yes. And the survey is completely anonymous. The only question we do ask that is what state you're in. That's it. Otherwise, you have to you leave no. You don't even have to leave your email. You can if you want to. Um if you want us to send you the results, it'll be about mid next year before we send the results. But um, otherwise, there's no information. It's all in SurveyMonkey. I have no way of knowing who you are. So, Well, and I think what we can do, I just thought of this, is at my website, confessionsofahospicenurse.net, 
I will publish those results because you're, you're running the survey through the end of the month. So this episode is being released on uh, December the 4th, 2022. And how long is the survey going through? The survey will go until the end of December, but I won't release the results until after I've had the opportunity to present it at these conventions because I want to make sure that what goes along with the results is also suggestions on how to make how to fix it. Oh, gotcha. You know what? So I want people to come to this. They're going to come to the to the presentations because they want to hear the results. Okay. I don't want the results necessarily out there first. I want them to come to the presentation so they can hear the results and what they can do to make it better. Oh, nice. I like that strategy. How, okay. So maybe I'm trying to figure, I'm thinking on the fly here, but I really want to make sure that everybody. So I have listeners from pretty much every state in the union um, that listen to this show. So where, off the top of your head, are you, I don't need dates and times and stuff, but like how many presentations do you think you'll do next year? Like, is there a way for any of us, if you happen to be in our area to be able to come and and be a part of that? So we'll, we'll do them at as many of the, of the hospice conventions as we can do, but I'm also working on a way to do them virtually. So I've had some people in California request that we do it for their particular agency. And I'm, I'm definitely open to doing that. So some of the larger companies want us to do this virtual presentation. Nice. So if, if the, uh, any of the listeners want to have it, they can contact us on the website. There's a contact form and ask, and we will do it wherever anybody asks for it to be done. Sounds great. Okay. Well, obviously we're going to provide all kinds of different ways for folks to get a hold of you. And if you're interested in getting a hold of the show, you can reach out to me, like I said, at confessionsofahospicenurse.net. If you go to confessionsofahospicenurse.net slash subscribe, then you can subscribe to the blog and the website, and that's how you can get stuff from me the quickest. If you would take a couple of minutes using your podcast app to... Um, to leave a review that would really help the show as well and i appreciate everybody has left five stars and so i appreciate everybody doing that but if you could type a little something in there that will help push us to the top and i think it's interesting if you get on apple podcast and type in hospice uh the hospice nursing podcast is like number two that will show up so i'm very proud of that and it just shows that it probably shows there's not a lot of options maybe (laughs) But, but no, this, this show's been great, and, and I've gotten a lot of reviews. Don't forget that you can also email me at james at confessionsofahospicenurse.net, as well as I actually have a listener feedback line at 816-834-9191. So I don't want to forget to mention the community at thehospicenursingcommunity.com. It is growing and doing quite well. And this week on December 8th, we're going to get a whole new website rebuild. And I'm going to be able to offer tiered pricing from the website. So I'm going to roll out a $10 a month that gives you full access to all of the message boards that are on there. Um, and I'm real excited to roll that out because I'm finding more nurses are wanting to be a part of it. But, but not everybody wants to attend all the Zoom meetings and stuff like that. And I totally get that. 
But if you're really wanting to grow in your psychosocial part of this hospice work, which I believe is 80% of what we do, then you really want to join because I am journaling live actual patients that's HIPAA compliant where you can see how I'm talking to my patients and how I'm talking to their families. And I mentioned that care plan meeting coming up soon. I am going to be journaling and discussing what I talk about, how I interact with that family so that you can learn how to handle care plan meetings that are this heavy and this hard because that is not an easy task. And so I hope you will consider joining the community at thehospicenursingcommunity.com. So I want to take another minute here and thank Shelly for joining us and sharing her experience with us and her knowledge. Shelly, thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Well, thank you, James. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, everybody. Well, this has been a lot of fun and... um, We've got only one more show left in 2022, and that one will come out in a couple weeks. Remember, we release these episodes on the first and third Sunday of every month. So I hope that maybe the end of this week you'll consider checking out the hospicenursingcommunity.com and see what we can do to help you grow in your hospice career. Very excited to have you on the show today. This has been episode 23 of the Hospice Nursing Podcast for December 4th, 2022.